you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. The Success Report. Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all. You are listening to The Sixth Sense Report with Joel Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. This is going to be a fun one, bro. Or, well, I, I wouldn't necessarily call um, doing my taxes fun um, or doing well, taxes fun. No, but but smashing leftist paradigms is. <laughs> what? How did you go from, this guy went from <laughs> taxes, taxes to... Leftist paradigms, man. Well, the leftists have a paradigm that the rich don't pay their fair share, mm-hmm. and 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 I would respectfully disagree. Oh, I I thought one of the reasons why you might be excited is because this is what you, this is why we take time off of um, <laughs> doing six cents report because you got to you know you got to do taxes. So I thought you're excited to talk about the numbers and all the fun stuff that goes into you doing taxes. Ah, uh, well, I mean. There, I think there's an aspect of, I feel like I have a good understanding of some of this stuff that, um, you know, just the, the way that the tax system works, um, that, that, you know, whether it's the Pandora Papers or, or anything in this realm, um, I have some perspective. Not to say that everybody who does taxes would agree with me because, you know, a lot of mine comes from the uh, libertarian-esque uh, mm-hmm. perspectives that I have. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is this is interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, you know what comes to mind, um, and it just came to me today. Uh, so I don't. So in the basketball world, if you're a hooper, uh, back in the day, um, we used to call uh, if if you got the ball stolen, we used to call it uh, getting taxed. <laughs> that's some that, that's some that's some old school hooper vocabulary vernacular. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, getting yeah. taxed. <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it that reminds me there's this great uh sign outside of an ice cream shop teach your kids about taxation when you steal 30 percent of their ice cream yeah so we're definitely going to get into um the idea of taxation is taxation theft uh so for the listeners the the direction we'll be going is we're going to talk about the pandora papers uh tax evasion versus tax havens are the rich paying their fair share and is taxation theft? So, Joel, what are the Pandora Papers? Um, so I got I gotta have a couple links because um, there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, and and if you dig in for the listener, you'll you'll start to see. So uh, I'm using BBC News uh, Pandora Papers, a simple guide to the Pandora Papers leak for for sort of giving you some highlights. So. Uh, they have a section that says what has been uncovered. The The leak includes 6.4 million documents, almost 3 million images, more than a million emails, and almost half a million spreadsheets. Uh, the, the release involved more than um, 600 journalists in 117 countries trolling, trolling through files from 14 sources. Um, and and so they, the, it says the data was obtained by International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. So I think you're going to see a lot of uh, content coming from them. I think it's coming out slowly because well, I think what they did was they published all the content and then started releasing sort of their investigative journalism reports after the fact. So, um, you know, I have one of them that I'll bring up a little bit later, but the website for them is icij.org. Uh, so just to give a little bit of context, this isn't really the first release. Right. Uh, there's technically been three other previous, or yeah, three other previous leaks, the offshore leaks in 2013, the Panama papers in 2016 and the paradise papers in 2017. And for the most part, I mean, what's being exposed is, Let's say powerful people in the world using uh, tax havens as a means to pay, you know, to 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 pay less taxes. Uh, so without getting into the, the second part of your or the the second question, tax tax evasion versus tax havens. 
Uh, we'll get there a little bit easier or a little bit later. So what what drew you to this topic? What made you interested in it? Well, <laughs> a listener. A listener. Uh, yeah. Shout out. Uh, thank you for, for pointing us in this direction, asking the questions. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, well, ask me what, what was my two cents on the topic? And I was just like, what? What? I never heard of this. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> so I was looking into it. Um, and it reminded me of the two episodes we did uh, on Who Wants to Be a Billionaire? Yep. Right? Who Wants to Be um, Who Wants to Be a Billionaire, I think, and a Broke Billionaires. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes. And so um, the issue, that it seems like the, the overarching issue was um, people with a lot of money um not uh, having money abroad as opposed to using um paying the taxes in their current country so there are people um there were canadians actually um who were um who were found on on um in, on that list on in the pandora papers people that had uh, money on offshore accounts um as opposed to you you know having their money here and paying taxes here and so people were kind of up in arms and kind of thinking like, okay, well, is this right? Mm. Is this right? Mm-hmm. Which it's a fair question. Is it right? Right? Is this is this fair? Is this just? What's your initial thought on on that question? <laughs> oh, is it right? <laughs> uh, man, I had to um do some digging. I had to do some digging. And um so I've been going through uh, these two books that I've been reading, uh, The Intelligent Investor and Why A Students Work for C Students and B Students Work for the Government. And, and so just trying to tap into my um, inner accountant. And so um, in, <laughs> in um, the book by Robert Kiyosaki, Why A Students Work for C Students, um, he, ta- he, 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 he makes an argument that... Um, when we look for careers, we shouldn't look for the things that uh, necessarily what we're good at. But when you're teaching financial literacy to kids, you should start with tax brackets. Mm. So they understand what happens to the money that they make. And so um, for the listeners, um, you guys want to follow along if you're not driving um, or if you are driving, uh, pull over. Uh, <laughs> to, <laughs> pull over to the side of the road. And I just want you to do something to follow along. Um, and just follow along. So I want you to make like um, a cross, like the, like a crucifix, a cross, like a T. And so on the top, in the top left quadrant, I want you to put an E. And in the top right, I want you to put a B. The lower quadrant, I want you to put an S. And in the bottom right quadrant, I want you to put an I. And so the E stands for employee. That's one tax bracket. Um, B in the top right is for big business, 400 employees or more. The bottom left, the S, is for small businesses or self-employed. And then the I is for investors. And so the theory um, that he's arguing is that, okay, well, based on how much you make and where your money comes from determines how you're taxed, right? So the E, employee, you would be taxed. 40%. And then the B, um, the big business would be 20%. Um, And if you're a small business owner or self-employed, it would be 60%. And then the I would be 0%. And I think, I mean, I'd have to look into a little bit more, um, but I think when, you know, this wouldn't just simply be pure tax percentages. Uh, think about in Canada as a prime example, small business self-employed. Oh, guess what? You're paying both the employee and employer portions of um, EI or CPP. Or actually, techni- I think EI you can opt in and CPP mm-hmm. you're required to pay, but you have to pay both the employee and the employer's portion. Uh, and so the reason I bring that up is that this number would be sort of I'm speculating here, but I think the reason why small business has such a high number is because of the, let's call it regulatory costs um, or or required costs 
that are born both by the owner and the employee who turns out to be the same person. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And um, he also mentions that. Uh, so, for example, um, the S quadrant, right? The the small business. He says that uh, the problem with the S quadrant um, is that you do not really own a business, right? Mm-hmm. So, like you, you own a job. So, if you stop working, your income often stops. This means you own busyness, not a business. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Without you, the business <laughs> business fails. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 then yeah. And and that's essentially the problem um, with being self employed. And then the the E is just is it's the easiest bracket. Um, that's that's our basic ordinary income that we make, and we pay taxes on that. A lot of taxes on it, which was kind of eye opening for me. And so I so the reason why that was I br- I bring that up is because. Um, for a person like me who doesn't have, uh, I'm not an accountant. I actually have a financial adv- um, advisor that I that I work with. Um, shout out to uh, Sean. Sean. Um, um, and so I've been learning and studying. And so when I see this, when I see these numbers, or when I see um, these um, um, this Pandora paper stuff, I was like, oh, hmm, interesting. And it, it makes sense to me now when I have a framework to interpret it. What, 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 what was your takeaway um, when you first heard about the Pandora Papers? I mean, I, I love that the elitists are the one taking the most amount of uh, slack. What do you mean? So, there's, so the article that I was referring to earlier um, is, is t- the title tells you all. While foreign aid poured in, Jordan's King Abdullah funneled a hundred million through secret companies to buy luxury homes. So, so you've got this, you know, you've got these politicians and I think, uh, Boris Johnson gets named a whole, you know, a whole bunch of, in my opinion, the most, um, privileged class, i.e. politicians and their friends are the ones being blasted the most. Um, so I sort of, I do appreciate that. I do think that, um, there is an aspect of this conversation that is definitely concerning, uh, and we'll get there. I think when we talk about the, the tax evasion, tax haven stuff. Uh, but I think there's it's exposing the let's call it uh, double sided nature of a lot of uh, the political class, especially the I would argue the left leaning class or left leaning politicians. So I mean, so, well, sorry. What what do you mean? What do you mean by that? So, the the con, you know, cultural. It's essentially we're going to talk about it a little bit later. But the idea of like, does the rich pay their fair share? Right? Oh, we want to tax the rich. But now you've got examples of the rich, essentially avoiding the potential that even if you tax them more, that they would actually have to pay the tax. Right, so you're you're exposing the double sidedness, or or the you know talking out of both sides of their mouth when they're saying, yeah, we're going to tax the rich more, but they also have tax havens that would prevent them from actually having to pay such taxes. Okay, so then, so then, b- before we go there, what is the difference between tax evasion and, and a tax haven, Mister Accountant? <laughs> Um, so I think in the simplest sense, tax evasion versus tax avoidance. So tax evasion is essentially an illegal attempt to pay less taxes, whereas tax avoidance is following the rules to pay less tax. And that might sound a little bit like, okay, like whatever, like that's not, how do I draw the line? Well, that's i mean i always say to people it's not about paying less tax it's about like from an accounting or or working with people it's about following the rules to pay less tax um so the example that that i could give a lot of people working from home in order to qualify to maximize your home office expenses to be able to claim on a canadian tax return you need a designated office space 
because then if I had a designated office, I could use the square footage of my home. Let's say, roughly speaking, the office is 10% of my home. Well, I can now deduct 10% of all my home expenses that would be deemed uh, relevant to running my office that's at home. If I have a shared space, meaning I do my home office from the kitchen table, well, I only work there 40 hours of the week. The rest of the week, it's used for the kitchen table. So now I don't get to deduct the full 10% that I would for this based on the size of the space. I now have to prorate that by the number of hours that I work at that shared space within my home. So, okay, well, let's make a permanent office for myself so that I can maximize my tax deductions. <laughs> right? I followed the rules to pay less tax. Whereas if I just tried to claim it without actually having that situation in place, you could argue that's tax evasion. Hmm. Hopefully my simple example that might be relevant to the listener uh, demonstrates the point. Okay. I think, I think it's, yeah, I think that's clear. Uh, I guess for me, I'm just wondering about like, is it, would you say it's, it's wrong to have a tax haven? Personally, I think you are under a moral obligation to give government as little money as you possibly can. <laughs> Whatever do you mean, Thomas Joel Nikoloff? Um, <laughs> well, there's, there's levels to it. Okay, so the simplest statement that I always make, the government is the most inefficient option to solve any problem. So why would I want to give them more money? Second, in Canada, as a Christian we continue to see a, I'll use the word opposition to people of our belief system from our political class. Why would I get, want to give them more money to fund their opposition? Yeah. Oh yeah. I hear you. Okay. Right. So, so I mean, there's just like a, a simple part of it, but then there's also for you, do you think you're better off with more money in your pocket or less? And if the answer is less, I would say then donate it to a cause that you think is good. And consequently, the government is not going to generally be the option to, to fulfill such a objective. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, and just for the listeners who are wondering, okay, just the technical uh, tax haven is a country or jurisdiction where you can put your money and avoid paying taxes where you made your your money. And I think that's why people are up in arms because they're like, well, if you made money in Canada, then pay taxes and support well, you, and no, okay, so, Canada. Well, see, this is where this is where I think it's slippery. Exceptionally mm-hmm. slippery. Because so the other so the article that I uh one of the one the one I was quoting from earlier has, you know, there's a title of a section that says, What do you mean by offshore? So offshore Essentially, it described as you as you described it. And generally speaking, those com- countries are easy to set up a company or a corporation, and then they have you know it says the laws make it difficult to identify the owners, and then those com- the reason why they're called tax haven either they have low or no corporate taxes. Now, going back to what you said, think of it this way: you're offshoring your savings. You already paid taxes on the money you earned here. Now, where things get a little like so, perfect example. If I have a company in offshore, if I earned a salary, let's make up some numbers. Okay, let's say I made $100,000 a year and I have 10 grand in savings. Well, I could offshore my savings and now the investment returns are in my tax haven. So where I earn my investment returns may or may not be my own country. Depends on what what that tax haven invested in. So the reason I want to push back a bit is like, it's not that simple. I mean, as I would say, generally speaking, a lot of con- you know companies or countries, it's you have to show profit where you earned money. Right. So let's take an, an alternative example. If I have an offshore corporation and a local corporation running a business, which a lot of times that's what they would have to do. You'd have to have two corporations. One is the local, one is your offshore. A lot of times what's relevant is you'd have, let's just use 
cars because it's a simple example. If I was buying cars from a third world country and shipping them here, but I own both companies that are doing that transaction, economics as well as a number of factors play a role in the transfer pricing that I'm allowed to use. So the government will regulate the transfer pricing a little bit in order to essentially force you to claim a certain amount of income in, in, in your local country. Right, so I couldn't say, "Oh, I paid, you know, the offshore company ninety nine point five percent of the sales price, and I only earned 05 percent profit." Right, so th- this is where, like, as much as the media or the leftists paint this picture of like they're t- taking all their money and running, like when things happen locally, there's so much regulation, there's so much government involvement already that forces. Mm-hmm some level of profit. So go back to my car example. You would have to say the transfer price that you're allowed to use between your your two companies that you own would have to be, let's call it a reasonable number. And if you ever got audited, let's say by the CRA, they would be like, what do you mean you're paying $95,000 for a car you sell for 96? Like it would be questioned. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't fly with regards to an audit or a tax audit. And tr- and I would argue transfer pricing is something that it would very likely uh, come up as a as a tax audit or an audit. Hmm. So my my point is that generally speaking, the country you earn your income in, and this goes back to the boxes you described, your employment income is going to be taxed locally. What you do with your savings is where the tax havens and things like that usually come into play, unless you're you know already sitting on a million dollars. Well, now what you're doing is you're going to your accountants and your lawyers and you're going, okay, how do I create the structure of my organizations to minimize my taxes? And so this is where I would say there is a level of inequality under the law, much like I would say there's inequality with regards to the court system. Those that have money are playing a different game. As they should? Um, I would definitely say they shouldn't in the the court system. No, or as they would. Yes, as they would. Of course, you would. As they would. If you had the resources, you would too. Whatever I and if- and not just the resources, but even the know how, like even to get to that point of being of having all that money, like the, like there's there's a knowledge that you have that nobody else has because if everybody had that knowledge, then everybody would be wealthy. But okay, so here's the so part of the article says, is it illegal to have to use a tax haven? So that's part of the the whole thing is the the laws are so complex that it's not illegal what they're doing. It's not tax evasion, it's tax avoidance because they followed the rules. Mm-hmm. The point is you the, the only people with the know-how are the specialists, the subject matter experts, as we've been referring to previously. Well, you gotta pay money to get that subject, or you gotta pay time to become the subject matter expert. Yes, that's right. So this is where the the rich or the wealthy are playing a different game because they have the resources to pay the subject matter experts to do it for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I would say I'm I'm much more frustrated or annoyed or concerned about such a thing happening in the court system where we're supposed to have equality under the law. The tax system gets <laughs> I'm not so irritated by it, um, but I think there, there's different, and the reason I think will hopefully become apparent as we continue this conversation. Hmm. Okay. I'm, 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 it's funny that you say that because I'm, I'm thinking about like, what would I do and how would I feel, right? Because I'm, 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 not, I'm not rich by any means, but you know, you kind of have to put yourself in another person's shoes and Part of what we did with the um, who wants to be a billionaire and broke billionaires, the part of the heart behind that was to was to show people like that. I guess this this, this might lead into um, our next point about um, paying your fair share. Um, yeah yeah paying your fair share. The reason why we did those episodes was because um, people who have a lot of money, billionaires, are demonized. Mm-hmm. People that have more than you are demonized. And so we were like, okay, well, let's let's look at the list and let's see how these people got their money, right? Because the assumption is that um, the money was accumulated illegally, or even just like, okay, well, you made this money, um, and so you should 
be obligated to share it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and I mean that the, the dilemma with that statement is there's underlying assumptions that well, it's not yours, or so why does someone else have a claim to you? For, or like you know, why should I claim that you're forced to share it? What and and you know whether they oh well you know the argue there's a couple of arguments that could be made right you're exploiting your labor you're exploiting your customers but but those are just platitudes without evaluating well okay what does it mean to exploit someone what are the and i would argue <laughs> the thing i've been talking about a little bit lately it comes down to rights if and and what's great i'm reminded of the episode with holly fretwell raid versus mm-hmm. trade Right. If you've raided somebody, hundred percent, there's a problem. You violated rights in order to accumulate your wealth, and I think there's every right for people to say, no, 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 you need to give that back or share. Right. Same, same concept essentially. For those that have done it via trade, mm-hmm. where's the injustice? Where were rights violated? And explicitly, where were rights violated by the person who accumulated the wealth? Hmm. Right. And I guess, and, and, you know, and, and, and that's the stigma that comes with, um, the rich, right? The mm-hmm. rich get richer, the poor get poor. Um, and so you kind of see it as, oh, okay, they must've done something wrong or, or that they're not, um, paying their fair share. And that, and that idea of fair share is a, a phrase that, uh, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, um, uh, uses a lot. And that's usually one of his um, preaching points is, you know, we're going to get um, the, the super wealthy to pay their fair share, right? And, and, and that kind of polarizes and demonizes um, a, a particular group of people, which I don't think is necessarily helpful. No, I, I agree. I think um, it's, it definitely, I don't want to say that this is true, but I have a concern that it facilitates jealousy. And envy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what comes to mind? Um, I've been listening to the um the new Nas album, King's Disease. And um he he, he does a duo. He's back, he does a duo with Lauren Hill. <laughs> the last time he did a duet with Lauren Hill, um, I was in grade nine. <laughs> Way back, playback. <laughs> Way back, right? But but Lauren Hill, um, you know. She, she says this in the song. She goes, um, now it's illegal for someone to walk in greatness. They want the same shh, but they don't take risks. And I was just like, ooh. I was like, okay, all right. Okay, okay, Miss Hill. I see you're going with this one. And, and the idea she's saying is like, well, um, part of accumulating wealth takes risk. Um, that risk a lot of times looks like not going to school, right? Um, opt choosing a different route as an entrepreneur, as opposed to um, not necessarily going the traditional route of doing a lot of school or even just taking out an investment and, 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 and taking on a lot of debt to make, make a vision uh, come to pass. But yeah, we got to definitely be careful of um, the idea of envy and envying those who have more than us. Yeah. Well, and, and I think what's, what's good with regards to what you said too is People fail to comprehend the risk that was involved with making trades where you earned a profit. Yep. Oh, and oh, sorry. I also want to add. So, um, it was it was five hundred Canadians who were found on this list, um, mm-hmm. and and two of the Canadians that people would probably because you know we can name a whole bunch of people like who, but uh, two of the uh, more famous people that most Canadians would know is uh, Jacques Villeneuve. I pronounced right, Jacques mm-hmm. Villeneuve, um, the race car driver, and um, Elvis Stoiko. Yeah, your boy Elvis Stoiko. <laughs> right? Just because um, he's on skates, man, he's a figure skater. Why does that make him a boy? <laughs> he's a figure skating, hockey, it's the same thing, man. Yeah, yeah, so, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but sort yeah. of like basketball and dance, right? You use the same uh, kind yeah. of flooring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. But but if you if you look at like what what Jacques Villeneuve and Elvis Stryko, um Stryko has done, um, they put in the work. They've taken risks 
um, to accumulate their wealth. So it's funny when they bring up their names, I'm like, but what does Elvis Stiker, where, where, where he places his money, what does that have to do with me? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, of course, the answer would be, well, because if he's not paying um, taxes, um, if he's not paying his quote unquote fair share, then I'm paying more to help um, uh, uphold the country. But I think people kind of... Um, misunderstand this idea of um, these tax havens and so forth, because um, the rich um, have just as many welfare programs as the poor. Ooh. Right? So, so, so the rich have corporate welfare programs and the poor have social welfare programs. Mm-hmm. Right? So regardless of, of, of what you call them, the taxpayers pay the price. And that's from um, um, Robert Kiyosaki's book, Why A Students Work for C Students. Mm. Yeah, and for me, um, the the thought that I wanted to to add to the you know the whole um, tax evasion piece was that it's it's to your point, like these people have accumulated wealth, or sorry, not tax evasion, tax havens. You know, some of it is just also estate planning and contingent like okay if i want to retire here or if i want to retire you know um in a and and live a particular lifestyle right like if i want oh i might buy a a house in that country but then i'm thinking about how do i do that as most tax efficiently as possible and so you know i just think of the two guys that you listed well they've got they've accumulated this wealth and now they go where can i put it where's going to get me the most amount of return and and it's just mm-hmm. simply a let's call it a math formula. Okay, if I put it here, I'm gonna earn this rate of return. But if I put it over here, I'm gonna earn this rate of return. Okay, let's put it over there. And and it's I don't know, it just seems that there's this stigma if you do something to minimize your taxes. But to your point, corporate welfare now is you know, it's under the guise of, well, if GM goes bankrupt, you know, X number of employees are going to be out of a job. Okay, well, you know, we can think of absurd examples like, should we keep subsidizing CD and tape decks because <laughs> the manufacturers have employees that are going to go, no, we want those employees to transition to the modern innovation. So, there, or or maybe not those employees. We want society to transition, which consequently means the people that were working in that industry before are no longer working. Are they going to be able to work in the new innovation industry or the industry that innovated to replace it? Maybe, maybe not. But but there's this, you know, the political class, and this is this is what I really wanted to hit home was the the political class is has an ulterior motive, and you know, you could use public choice theory a little bit to to sort of get what I'm saying. But more importantly, I think something that most people fail to comprehend is the larger the purse the politicians wield, the more power they have. Okay, so, but sorry, so why would you make that connection um, to the politicians? The, the, the paradigm of we need to tax the rich more, we need to close these loopholes. Fundamentally, the objective is give us more money. Mm. And so their motives aren't altruistic. Their motives aren't, oh, well, we need to cut the taxes for the poor. And if we close these loopholes, we can cut the taxes. That's not their objective at all. Their objective is to keep taxing you the same, but get more money. And, and so it's, that's why I think the hypocrisy of these politicians is amazing. Because they're using these loopholes to pay less taxes mm-hmm. while trying to tax everybody else more. And the, the power, the, the, honestly, we talk about oppression, we talk about disparities. Like, honestly, the place that this happens the most is through the, the power of politicians. And, and I mean, I've been going, I've been blasting lobbyists essentially on my, on my Instagram lately. Or really, I'm blasting that politicians are controlled by lobbyists. And uh, rent seeking, right? Well, but it's not just rent seeking anymore. 
like rent seeking is the lobbyist trying to oh sorry sorry just clear just to be clear uh rent seeking is when uh lobbyists um whisper in the ear of politicians or put money in their pocket um so they do favors for each other yeah but i mean an idea of rent seeking is essentially it's that when you've whispered in the ear of the politician you've had them enable a regulation or a law or a rule or whatever you such or some kind of favor or exemption well such that the idea of a of rent in economics terms is excess profit so you you've used the politician to use their influence and power so that you can earn excess special treatment special favors yes. yeah and yeah. and so rent seeking is essentially you're seeking opportunity to earn more than would be natural through the power of the politicians mm-hmm. and so the okay. the bigger the tax or the budget of the politician mm-hmm. The more favors they can hand out, which means the more power they wield, which yep. means the more lobbying they receive. Mm. So it's 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 a counter cyclical. Sorry, counter cyclical is not the right term. It's counterintuitive that you're actually making the problem worse by growing government for the socialistic leaning individuals. Mm. Okay, because you actually grow corporate welfare. Uh huh. Because that's where the lobbyists are. The lobbyists aren't in, you know, common man welfare. You're just getting the, the the table scraps so that you are, you know, you think they're solving the inequality problem. Yeah, but that, I think it all comes back to um, financial literacy and also um, poli sci, political science, and, and your theory and understanding um, the role of government, the individual, and so forth, um, and. And the role of government in them overstepping their bounds and and their responsibility to us, and I guess that 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 leads us to um, the moral aspect of um, the role of government, and 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 this is a a term I I heard a lot in in libertarian circles, a taxation is theft, and um, as a Christian, um, I've always um, been taught that uh, render to Caesars that which is Caesars, and so but nothing more. But but uh, yeah. So can you can you elaborate on that, Joel? Well, I, I mean, like just on on how you because because and that's and I and I've heard that from you before, um, and others, and I was just like, okay, well, um, is it immoral to tax the super rich, or 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 to tax the poor, to tax period, or? you know taking money from people without their say so like yeah okay so what's going on there yeah okay so i mean my my first comment of like nothing more is like do whatever you can to lower your tax burden by following the rules right and and so um i think immorality immorality comes down to it's unwise and and immoral arguably or if you want to say unbiblical to tax to do tax evasion or to you know lie to pay less taxes or to essentially um not submit your taxes let's say uh honestly mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. parking that you know with regards to the other aspect of your so that's why i was saying that's sorry that's just what i meant by like nothing more um in terms of the morality of it as a concept as a whole is the the question i i sort of think about is that i mean most people will use things like oh it's your dues for being part of society social contract right. all this like and and we could go down sort of the like semantics where like there's really good libertarian arguments that basically are like social contract is garbage but not necessarily the time and place but I would look. Well, we're at gonna, it. We're gonna actually. We're gonna get just a quick plug. We're gonna get to that in the future episodes. So yeah, stay yeah. tuned. Yeah, we've been we've been spitballing that one for a little while, actually. But, um, to me, the idea that taxation is theft is 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 built on a couple of things. First is, if it's illegal for the individual, it's illegal for the government. Okay. So like so like for example, um. The government doesn't have special privileges above another person, above the the individual, I guess. Well, it's like, you know, um, the majority can't vote to kill the minority. (laughs) Like, just because 
you know, the collect, like if the individual can't do it, the collective, why should the collective? And if we use government as like representing the the, the people as a whole, okay. if the individual can't do it, then why the government can't do it from a, from a rights perspective. Now, um, you could say, you know, if you wanted to use things like capital punishment or, or something like that, you could make the argument that, um, there's an objective third party to, and let's not use capital punishment because that's a whole, but, but just say the, in the example of an actual theft, you want to use an objective third party to resolve that problem. But that object, that scenario is actually where the objective third party is acting justly on behalf of the individual because the individual has a right to reclaim their property. Right in the event of a st in the right of theft, it's still my property. I may not oh I may not have custodianship of it today, but it's still my property. It was unjustly taken from me. The other person didn't justly acquire it. So in in and that's where like well why does you know I, my neighbor can't come over and be like give me ten bucks. So why does the government get to come over tomorrow and say give me ten bucks? So that's that's sort mm -hmm. of a, a, a underlying premise. Um, the other thing that I th think taxation is theft, I think an easy way to discuss it is the idea of rights in general and the concept of slavery. Okay. If 100% taxation, or I would say slavery is equivalent to 100% taxation. Say that again? Slavery is equivalent to 100% taxation. What the? Joel, you're fired. So I 100% tax your property. You don't own your labor. You don't own the fruits uh, of your labor. Technically, you don't even own yourself because I taxed it. 100% taxation is equivalent to slavery. Okay. Now, people could play a little bit of semantics. Oh, well, you know, if you, if you could live in your own home, but then go to work and they take 100%. Okay. Like, how did you buy your home if it's 100% taxation? You, can't, there's, you have no resources of your own mm -hmm. in 100% taxation. Mm-hmm. So is 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 ninety nine percent no longer slavery? Is ninety five percent no? Is it fifty percent that it's no longer slavery? Because again, it's it's again in a libertarian in in that sort of paradise or perspective, the idea is voluntarism. What's that? If I don't voluntarily engage in this relationship, there's a problem. Arguably, you could argue it's immoral. Mm. Volunteer, but yes, I guess. People who are like social contract would be like, well, you volunteered when you went to um, when I was when born you went to Jim March Deacon <laughs> to go swimming to Canada or, or play squash. <laughs> no, or play, yeah, yeah, board, yeah, yeah, boarded <laughs> to Canada, or or, or you, you're using the skate park to go skate, man, you know, and all that stuff. Or using the basketball court, so you've kind of signed in well, to those taxes. Yeah, and so I mean, the counter argument would be, no, the taxes were taken first. The taxes were taken first. Like the taxes were taken first, hmm. because like I didn't I didn't have the choice to not pay the taxes and then say okay I don't, I'm not going to use your services, I'm not going to use your public property. So the part of the then we can get into when we when we debate, so you know contract theory or uh, um, the social contract. The the best argument I think I got it from Tom Woods take. Any concept of a contract, con social contract fails all of it. All the things that would be normally, okay, if you're taking an employment contract, right of refusal, uh, you know, voluntarily agreement, all these things that, no, none of those things exist hmm. in, in, in this context. And so I would say, you know, I generally park the taxation is theft conversation regarding, uh, okay, let's park property tax. Income tax, and that's where income tax, 100%, going back to my point about slavery, your labor, and especially in Canada, or especially now when, when you're, you, you don't even get it first. It comes right off your paycheck and goes straight to the government. Mm -hmm. What do you mean that's like, it's not voluntary at all? <laughs> no, okay. So, I, I mean, I, I, I would say 100% taxation is theft. 100%. Hmm. I guess, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I always found it kind of weird. I was just like, oh, what the, this is, this is different. Never heard that before. Um, 
I guess for me, like, you know, when I think about Jesus saying, you know, render to Caesar's that which is Caesar's, um, Romans 13, um, uh, hold on, Matthew 22, um, Matthew 22, uh, 17, um, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? They're, they're asking Jesus. Okay, so, so I got a, uh, I got a really good book by mm-hmm. Joe Amaral. It's called, I want to say it's called Finding Jesus, but I don't know for sure. Anyways, he's a first century Jewish historian. Mm-hmm. And in that question, they're, they're, they're trying to, to trap him, right? The, the Pharisees are asking him this question and they're trying to trap him. Mm-hmm. But based on their own rigidity of the law, it is idolatry to have a graven image on your person. Mm-hmm. So what does Jesus say to them? Whose picture or who's on the coin? Is that not a graven image? Of Caesar. Of Caesar? So give to Caesar what's his. The idolatrous symbol in their own standards that you have in your pocket on your person, which violates your own rules. Okay, so he's saying that um, like, it's a form of idolatry. Well, no, I'm saying that Jesus' answer is actually much more, there has, there's much more depth to it as simple, than simply what, like again, they're trying to trap him in a way that forces him to either break Jewish law, custom, or mm-hmm. you know, essentially go against Rome. Right? They're, they're mm-hmm. looking to kill him. Right? They're looking for a reason to kill him. Ideally, they want him to, to speak out against Rome because it makes their life easier or their job easier from you know, executing him. And so right. his answer is, 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 is obviously um, profoundly wise to draw the line of how to you know, get out of their gotcha question. Mm-hmm. But and, and so my so, point is for us to then turn around and go, oh, there's Jesus telling us this very like theological true statement about taxes. It's like, are are we like missing the point of the the scenario that we're reading? Like, I'm not saying we don't draw any conclusions, but how much of that parable is really understood for by most people about the context that it's actually taking place in? Or not, it's not parable, sorry, but the, the, the story or the questioning by the mm-hmm. Pharisees. Mm-hmm. So, so, so you would say that, that Jesus is saying to pay it or not to pay it? Well, he's saying literally it's Caesar's coin. So, of course, you give it to Caesar. Uh huh. But you're paying Caesar his own coins as taxation. Okay. Okay. So, Jesus is saying to do it? Um, well, then my point is that, like, okay, so take the example of, let's try to apply that today. Mm-hmm. I have my money in a tax haven in another country. Mm-hmm. Caesar Justin Trudeau mm-hmm. is asking for his taxes. Is that Caesar's? It's not in Canadian no. currency. It's not in Canadian law. Um, well, I, I'm applying no. the statement in somewhat of a, because to some extent what Jesus was saying was like, okay, there's the Caesar stuff. And here's mm-hmm. God's stuff. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. doing Caesar and God. I'm doing Canada and offshore tax haven. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess the idea that I was thinking was that, you know, you paid it to, um, you pay your taxes to Caesar and you keep it moving. Not the 100%, but, um, but um, whatever, <laughs> whatever the percentage is. Uh, and then I guess I also look at, um, like in Romans 13, 6, 7, it says, for the same reason, you also pay taxes, for the author- authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Romans thirteen six seven. Yeah, so I mean, I would say to you that I, th- <laughs> I think it's wise to prevent becoming deemed a criminal. And tax mm-hmm. evasion is criminal. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a difference between tax evasion and not paying your taxes, at least in Canada. For the American listeners, yes, you don't pay your taxes. That's criminal too. Yes. In Canada, largely, it's not criminal to not pay your taxes. Right. Meaning we can't not- go to jail. But right. Um, tax evasion, different story. Um, yeah. You, you I, can, I think. Yes, sir. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you could definitely be, uh, you know, charged criminally. Now, granted, hey, you, you didn't you miss claiming $1,000 versus like, you know, massive tax fraud scheme. But anyways. Hmm. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, because uh, and I guess morally, I'm just thinking. Um, and I'm still kind of working through it um, on that idea. But I was going through. Um, so I, I think just for list, obviously, I'm saying be subordinate. You, you should be subordinate to the laws that are above you. You should, <laughs> you know, that that there it's there are biblical perspectives regarding submitting to the authorities of the land that you live in. Okay. What what I'm trying to get though is that more what is moral and what is legal aren't the same thing. I think slavery is immoral. But when the laws allowed for it, I now had a choice to make whether I could or couldn't do it. The other side is you know, now that slavery is illegal, I don't know those. You know, if you didn't think it was immoral, you don't have a choice. And and the reason I use that sort of funky example is to say, then the question becomes: for I think for many Christians, we fail to sort of go, well, what would be a biblical perspective towards if I was setting up a nation and a government regarding taxation? Should it be zero? Should it not be zero? Should it be voluntary? Should it not be voluntary? And and I mean, you know, you look at first the the text I always like to respond to Romans thirteen with is first uh, Samuel eight. Essentially, he's like the the king is going to steal your stuff. He's going to steal your people because that's what a king needs in order to protect you. Mm-hmm. But and the reason I my my so much of my concern is that like Christians default to this. Well, therefore, that's how it should be. As opposed to, is this a, let's call it historical narrative, or God describing this is the nature of man. When they rule over you, they will take your stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, and so I, I, I guess what you're saying is that um, that it's part of the fall. Um, in regards to like like the state isn't perfect, um, and so in their imperfection, part of their rule is um, doing immoral things. Uh, okay, I'm I'm not there yet, but um, what's interesting? <laughs> well, I mean, put it this way: no, the government is run by fallen people. Therefore, the government will mm-hmm. do fallen things. Okay. Yeah, well, I guess people can make the same argument for the institution of the church. Um, Agreed, elders, but it's voluntary. Tithing is voluntary. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, unless you're I'm in, kidding, the, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Catholic Church or uh, whatever. What's that? Prosperity non- gospel. What? Which one? Did- or prosperity? Prosperity. Well, no, I was going. <laughs> I was going to say the scientism thing. What's it called? <laughs> Um, Christian Science? No, no, like the the one that uh, Tom Cruise is part of. Uh, Christian Science, isn't it? Scientology. Scientology, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, like I mean, the reason why I say it's it's like it's not really voluntary is because like I mean it is voluntary, I guess, because you can walk away, and that's sort of my point. You can walk away. Yeah. Well, I guess you can even even if they said, "Oh, we we require you to submit your tax return and tell us and prove that you've." committed 10% to our church, I can still walk away. If I want to be part of the community, I know those are the terms. If I don't want to be part of the community, I don't have to follow those terms. Mm-hmm. I guess the way I'm looking at it, the like the history of taxes, right? So it's, it's more so in North America, 
Um, so in, in 1943, U.S. Congress passed the current Tax Payment Act to fund another war. World and it was war supposed II. to be temporary. For the first time in history, the U.S. government began taking taxes out of the workers' paychecks before the worker was paid. The workers allowed this to happen in the name of fighting for freedom and liberty. This is why many Americans believe it is patriotic to pay taxes. The problem is World War II is over, but the United States never stopped collecting taxes. Do you know, do you know um, what the, per, the, the percentage was back then? I know. 2%. 2%. And it was like, let's say, I don't know the exact numbers, but it was something like the top, only the top 30% of, of society was paying it. Hmm. Well, well, yeah. And so, and since then it's, it's been growing. Uh, and I guess now I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh wow, like it's getting bigger and, and people want more and more. Uh, I was reading a book, uh, called, uh, politics according to the Bible by Wayne Grudem. Uh, and, and then he nuances the idea of, of taxes and how it's used. And he says, um, but I, as I explained above, it does not seem to me that the Bible gives any support for the idea that governments should use taxes simply to redistribute income from the rich to the poor. The Bible's teachings about the purpose of civil government, about private property, and about economic productivity do not support this idea. Such redistribution of income, and then open bracket, which is different from basic support of the very poor. Right, so he's making a, a, a distinction between the support of the poor and the redistribution of income. And so he says, um, so such redistribution of income is not part of uh, punishing evil and rewarding good is, as the role of government. Uh, punishing evil and rewarding good. And it is not part of impartially enforcing justice. Rather, it is carrying out an additional social agenda that the Bible does not support. I like that nuance. Do you, I, I would argue that the problem with, I, I agree with it wholeheartedly. I, I very much agree with the point. I think the problem goes back to what we were slightly what we we're talking about with regards to trade versus raid. If your perception is that the billionaires inherently have ill-gotten gain, then you would say, well, his statement doesn't apply. Then okay. All right, yeah, I hear what you're saying. So right? what's your two cents then on the issue? Okay, so uh, in, I'll, I'll give uh, just to I'll, I'll put the a link to this in the show notes page regarding we sort of touched around the question but I wanted to to just touch on the you know do the rich pay their fair share so I've got an image um, for the listener to look at if if you're interested it's on Instagram by this uh, play, page called classical liberalism and if you don't like the rest of the page then that's I don't care it's just looking at this one picture but what it shows is that you know income groups you've got the top one percent top and then it goes like all the way down the bottom 50 percent and and what's really interesting is it talks about it shows you three tiers so income group by percentile so top bottom 50 is all one category meaning you made less than forty three thousand dollars in 2018 the top 25 to 50 is like 43k to 60 or sorry 87 and then 25, 10% to 20, and so whatever, has all these tiers. What they show is the top 1% earns 21% of the income and pays 40% of all the taxes. So when someone says the rich don't pay their fair share, the question is, well, how, do you, how would you calculate their fair share? Right? What, what would be the criteria for calculating fair share? Is it fair based on the services they consume? Is it fair based on the you know the portion of their income? Because the funny part is like most people would say, well, if everybody pays you know the same percentage, then the rich would pay more, right? So I, I would argue it the the most moral tax system would be fifteen percent flat tax. 
And if you wanted to do something sort of funky, you know, for some funky is not the right word. If you want to do something for the lower class, okay, the first $20,000 you earn makes no taxes. Or sorry, pays no taxes. Everything over 20000 is 15%. The reason why we don't have a tax system like that, because politicians want to write favors into the law, give tax breaks. Well, every time I add a tax break, I need to increase the percentage on everybody else in order that I can actually afford to give that tax break. Mm. So if anything, the rich pay more than their fair share. Yeah, This sort of is parking the idea of, well, they have income that's not subject to taxation. That's you know a little bit of a different question because it goes back to what you said about corporations. They get incentives from government. Do the things that we want. Oh, hey, come to go to you know New York State was about to pay Amazon like X millions of dollars in tax benefits so that they would build their factory here. And then AOC went off on that a couple of years ago, and that thing got shut down. But this happens all the time, right? How many sports teams get their stadium funded? Subsidy to the tax or subsidy to the rich. Mm-hmm. Right, those those you know owners of teams don't need that money, but they wield enough power that they can tell the politician, "Well, if I'm going to go somewhere else, if you don't give me a t- if you don't partially fund this stadium, mm-hmm. and some other politicians willing to pay for it." So, my my two cents on all of this is that you know they talk about wanting to close the t- the loopholes. At the end of the day, what's keeping the loopholes open is the lobbyists and. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a show, like like much of politics. You know, talk a lot about taxing the rich. Talk a lot about doing this, that, or the next thing to to help the poor. But until they cut, they're they're actually willing to cut corporate welfare. Until they're willing to do things that hurt the lobbyist. You got to see through it. It's smoke and mirrors. They're selling you their propaganda so that you'll vote for them the next time. But again, as we talked about, I think I said it on the show, I think most of the elections are, are talking about 5 to 10% of what government does. The other 90%, they all want to do the same thing with a different dress on and hand out money. So I think... Uh, well, while I think the Panama Papers are are good because you know it's exposing the let's call it the elites of society, and uh, we definitely could use a little more of that because a lot of the uh, although the concern I have is contrast that with some of the bigger name whistleblowers Snowden, uh, Assange. Usually, when the things that they're exposing go against the the power structures, it's not well received. You know that, in my opinion, the true whistleblowers are the ones who get very poor fav- uh, treatment by, uh, as Michael Malice refers to them, the new cathedral. So, what about you? What's your two cents on Panama Pandora Papers? Uh, I think, uh, um, I, you know, the first thing that popped in my head, I was like, Nanya, <laughs> <laughs> Nanya business, N- Nanya business. Right. So I'm thinking like, you know, because, you know, you're seeing people's books, right? The people's books are open, you know, and, and you know, everybody knows, you know, financial, you know, people's financial information is, is you know, usually none of your business. Um, right. So it's, it's kind of weird looking at other people's books um, when you should, you know, be looking in your own books. So I'm going to say this. My two cents is if you're financial literate, you won't hate a bit. You won't hate a bit if you're financially literate, right? You're not looking in other people's mouth. You're not looking in other people's plate. I'm going to take a quote from um, the philosopher uh, Jason T. Phillips, a.k.a. Jadakiss, <laughs> fresh off of his versus championship win, MVP win um, against Dipset. And there's a quote, uh, and Jadakiss says, I used to cop so heavy that the block got mad and then just started calling up the cops like cabs. Hating, guys. You gotta stop hating. So I'm gonna uh, 
pull a quote from um, Robert Kiyosaki's book, and he says, um, and this is for parents on financial literacy and teaching your kids, and he says, the earlier a parent teaches their child about the different quadrants, tax tax quadrants that we talked about earlier, the earlier their child can begin preparing for life, and they can choose what quadrant they want to be in, right? And um, and there was um, this uh, political philosopher slash theologian Daniel um, Shorthouse, and and he and he says this um, in regards to uh, taxing and, and Jesus, and he says this: Jesus himself was not turned aside um, by such trick questions, as in, um, you know, should we pay taxes? Uh, let him be our example. Let us know what you guys think. Are we off? Um, you think we're wrong? Let us know your two cents. You can contact us at sixcentsreport at gmail.com. We also have a YouTube channel. Uh, please subscribe, like, share, hit the red bell. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and uh, Facebook at Six Cents Report. And then if you're trying to get in touch with me, it's on Twitter or Instagram, it's do good to Darnell. That's D O G U D D A underscore Darnell and Darnell Samuels on Facebook. And I'm T Joel N39 everywhere. And most of my content usually is uh, I do a lot of sharing on Instagram lately. So, yeah, that's my let's call it weapon of choice. And uh, yeah, give us your two cents if you think we missed something. If there, I mean, there's a lot of depth to this issue. Um, we sort of talked vaguely about it as opposed to getting into some of the nitty and gritty. Uh, but if you think there's more to this that you think we should address, let us know. And give us a review on your favorite podcast catcher. That would be very helpful, actually. Give yes. us five stars. <laughs> and say something nice, even if you don't like us. <laughs> Six cents makes change. But you heard me. Does that make sense? Madden and Mitchell Media. 